greetings. Uh, you are watching the online ministry of St. Augustine's Anglican Church for the 20th of June 2021. My name's Adam Draycott and uh, welcome uh, to this time together. Uh, our sentence of scripture comes from Psalm 28. It says, The Lord is the strength of his people. He is the saving refuge of his anointed. O oh, save your people and bless your heritage. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. What beautiful words to start our time together. Uh, let's have a moment of rejoicing. Before him 
Alcoholic prayer for today. Let us pray. Father, guide and protector of your people, grant us an unfailing respect for your name and keep us always in your love. Grant this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Our Bible readings today come from Proverbs chapter 30, verses 1 to 9, Psalm 64, and Romans chapter 7, verses 14 to 25. Please take a moment to read God's word out loud together, whoever you're with, or by yourself if that's the case. Take a moment to read God's word and then we will open up the book of Romans again together. Let's pray. Loving Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you that you are a God who speaks to our hearts and our minds, our very souls. And we pray that by your spirit you would speak to us today. Uh, now as we read your word Help us to heed your word, to listen to it, uh, and to not just merely listen, but to do what it says. May we respond to your word with repentance and faith that you might be glorified, that we might display more and more the likeness of your son Jesus in and through our lives. We ask for your help in all of this and we ask it in Jesus' name. This is the story of me, law and sin. It's a kind of man meets law story and it is unbearably tragic. It's about a man encountering the law of God. And I, Paul, maybe you know me already, I'm Paul. And once upon a time when I was a Pharisee, I thought I was alive to the law. I thought the law made me right with God. I thought the law was the avenue of life. I mean, I'm a Jew. The law is the very heart of who I am or who I'm supposed to be. The law saturates all of my life. It impacts what I eat and the material in the clothes that I wear, and, the, and ritual, and ceremony, even ceremony downstairs. There's a lot at stake in being a Jew. I thought the law meant eternal life. Peace with God. A bit like the rich young man in Luke chapter 18, verse 18 last week. Apparently you read about that. Or the expert in the law, you met him as well as he heard the story of the Good Samaritan. Both 
people ask Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So, of course, Jesus points to the law. Why wouldn't he? And we know the summary of the law, love God, love your neighbour. But it's crazy because the expert in the law, he's got to check who his neighbour is. How about that? Big flashing moment right there. The alarm bells should be ringing. And the rich young man, well, he's pretty good. All of this I've done. And Jesus says, really? (laughs) Have you done everything? Maybe there's one thing that you haven't done. Hey, how about you sell everything? And while you're selling everything, give it to the poor. Let's see your love for God. Get rid of your gold. Let's see your love for neighbour. Now give it to the poor. It's no small wonder people ask Jesus, man, who can be saved? Who can be right with God? Well, have a look in the book of Romans. The book of Romans and turn to chapter 7. And have a look with me at verse 14. We know that the law is spiritual. But I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. The law is spiritual. The law is good. It's divine. It's from God. But verse 14, I'm, I'm not. I'm unspiritual. I'm not spiritual. I'm flesh. I'm sold as a slave to sin. And the tragedy, here's the tragedy, verse 22. I know in my inner being that the law is good. I delight in the law. I sing Psalm 1 for crying out loud. But even then, I still find myself captive to the sin that has enslaved me. I'm perpetually breaking the law and I am therefore condemned to death. And so this is a picture of how the sinful nature interacts with the law of God. This is a story about man meets law and sin. This is an encounter in all its drama as our sinful nature encounters and interacts with the law, it doesn't go so well. This is a tragedy of how the law, however good, verse 12, however holy, however righteous, the tragedy is that the law is powerless to save. The law is not a vehicle for salvation, but instead condemnation. But remember, it's not the law that's the issue, it's my sinful nature. That sinful nature that is an unwelcome third party in this relationship, an unwelcome voice. I understand uh, in your culture, in your time, Uh, The Lord of the Rings is, um, by Tolkien, is a popular uh, writing of apparent fiction. And in that book, in the last two books, there's a character called Grimmer Wormtongue. And Grimmer Wormtongue is a chief advisor 
to a great king. And this guy grew my worm tongue. He's got eyes for the king's daughter. And he's got eyes probably for the throne and wealth. And Grimmer Wormtongue is all about flattery, whispering flattery for advantage. And he'll do that with lies and deception. He is one lecherous, sycophantic creep. And such is his influence. Jesus, sly dog, this guy. Such is his influence and betrayal and lies and white-hanting. Well, it leaves the king wretched. He's his chief advisor. And the chief advisor, such as his influence, leaves the king wretched, blind, incapable of making a good decision. He's not making them. And so the king is doomed. The kingdom is doomed. And this king, the king of Rohan, literally needs to wake up to this evil. He needs to banish this unwelcome voice from his life and from his kingdom. Get it out of here. And that's a picture of sin. Sin's corrosive, corruptive influence. Sin is an unwelcome voice in one's life. And it gets here, it's getting between Paul and God's law that he delights in. Sin wants nothing good for Paul. And he's even going to use the law against him and twist it and bring him down. And worse, the sinful nature seems to be too good to be too successful. And so Paul concludes, verse 24, chapter 7, Wretched am I, condemned. Wretched man I am, who will save me from this body of death? I can't keep the law's obligations. I just can't do it. It's like Paul is asking, is this, you the reader, is this a relationship? If you have a relationship like I do with the law, is this one you want to return to? Or live with? Do you want to keep living with this tragedy that is me, the law and sin? G'day. Uh, Romans has said time and time again that whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, it doesn't matter that we're all in the same boat. That the law is powerless to save lawbreakers, that we all fall short of the glory of God. No one is righteous. And this is Paul talking about his experience, I think, under the law as a Jew. This is Paul speaking as a slave to sin. And it's true, we can identify at this point that this too is our predicament apart from the saving grace of God. We can do that. Here is the point of Romans chapters 6 to 7, that the relationship with the law and sin, it's dead in Christ. Do you see that as a Christian today? That our relationship to the law and sin, it is died, it died when Jesus died, that we might belong to another, and that is Christ Jesus himself, that we are not under law. Chapter 6, verse 14, we are under grace. 
But have a look at chapter 7, verse 4. This was part of last week's reading, but we'll come back. My brothers and sisters, you also died to the law. Can we be any plainer? How? Through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him in fact, who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit from God. This is resurrection power right here. We've been raised with him. The resurrection, that first Easter, is going to be our resurrection. We are no longer dead to sin. We are alive to Christ. But why? What's the point? Well, at the end of verse 4, it tells us, in order that we might bear fruit for God. That's the point. And so see what a Christian is. See what Christians are and what we do. We are those that bear fruit for God. We don't bear fruit for sin. Why, Wormtongue and his king. No, we don't do the opposite. We bear fruit for God. That is who we are. Look at verse 5 of chapter 7. For when we were in the realm of flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in us, so that we bore fruit for death. In our old relationship, we bore fruit for death. Remember that old relationship. This is what the Apostle Paul was doing just now for us where the law provokes sin. It's the torment that's described in verses 15 to 20. This is torment. See, he says, I don't understand what I do, verse 15. Verse 17, sin is living in me. Verse 18, I want to do what's good, but I can't. Verse 19, I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I don't want to do. Verse 21, evil is right there with me. Verse 22, I mean, I love the law. But verse 23, I'm a prisoner of sin. Verse 24, how wretched am I? The old life is being painted here at the end of chapter 7. The old life under the law that bore fruit for death. So verse 5 again. When we were in the realm of flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in us. That is the end of chapter 7. So that we bore fruit for death. But, look at verse 6. But now, whenever the Bible says but now, especially in Romans, we've got to love these big buts. The big buts of Romans. Here's another one. But now, pay attention. By dying to what once bound us, that's the law and, and, and the sinful realm. We have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Hallelujah. Here it is. This is what it means. We bear fruit for him. We die to what once bound us. We've been released from the law so that we can serve in a new way of the spirit not the old way. And again, we'll talk more about that in chapter 8. But this idea of fruitfulness is not new uh, in God's Word. If we flick back to, uh, if you're a quick Bible flicker, you could come with me to Isaiah chapter 5. Isaiah chapter 5. 
God's relationship with Israel is described, well, here's this for a love song. I will sing Isaiah 5, verse 1. I will sing for the one I love, a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. Sounds lovely, doesn't it? He dug it up and cleared it of stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it, cut out a wine press as well. He's been hard at work. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. This is God's relationship with Israel. There's even a parable about this. And then he says, Now you dwellers in Jerusalem, the people of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done for my vineyard than I have done for it? What more could I have done for you? I look for good grapes that only yielded bad. And so we jump down to verse 7. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel and the people of Judah. You can't get plainer than that. And the people of Judah are the vines he delighted in. And he looked for justice, but he saw bloodshed. He looked for righteousness, but only heard cries of distress. God looks for fruitfulness. He looks at his vine. He looks at God's people. He wants us to bear fruit for him. Good fruit, not bad fruit. And now God, Romans is telling us now here in chapter 7, verses 5 and 6, that now God has acted in Christ to create a people who will bear the kind of fruit he's looking for, a people who love justice and who delight in righteousness and who put them into practice in their lives. We've been released. We're free of the burden of the old code. We're being freed so that we can belong to another and so that we can serve in this new way of the Spirit. The new way of the Spirit cries no to the old self. No! To my slavery to sin. No, you are not my master. And yes, to a new life that we have in Christ Jesus. The Spirit brings us to our knees in prayer and lifts us up again so that we can serve in a Christ-like way, being selfless, sacrificial, humble, full of joy and thanksgiving. The Spirit that was written on our hearts moves us to heartfelt Loving, joyful obedience. That's what the Spirit does. It moves us to obey. The Spirit that has us yearn for righteousness that only Christ Jesus can give us and he grows it in us. The Spirit that reminds us, chapter 6, verse 11, count yourself dead to sin but alive to Christ. Reckon with it. Do the math. Work it out. Make the calculation. See yourself this way. You are dead to sin, but alive to Christ. It's the Spirit, chapter 6, verse 13, that calls us to offer ourselves to God, offer every part of oneself, not as an instrument of wickedness, but one of righteousness. Take a pause, because maybe you're watching this and going, yeah, but Adam, I read the end of chapter 7 and it just rings true for me. 
personally, I read it and I see me. And then we might even take that a step further and go, and I'm actually comforted by the fact that Paul seems to struggle like I struggle. And my response to that is, well, sure, temptation is a thing. Temptation isn't removed. Sin wages war against us. All oh, worm tongue's still there. He'll be gone on the last day and you need to deal with that. We're in a spiritual battle. That's Ephesians 6. But we're not in Ephesians 6. We're in Romans. And Romans is telling us that sin is not the pattern. That we are not characterized by a life of sin. And we need to be careful that when we come to Romans 7, that if you think that you're comforted, be careful that you're not using that comfort as an excuse for sin. Because that's nonsensical. I mean, would we say how comforting it is that Paul is a wretch in verse 24 and that I'm a wretch too? Are you comforted by that? Surely not. Would we say, oh, it's comforting that Paul is a slave to sin like I'm a slave to sin. Would we say that? Have you read chapter 6? Have you read chapter 6? You died to sin on a cross. You died to what once bound us. We've been freed from the slavery of sin. Sin is not your master. Chapter 6, verse 11. Count yourself dead to sin, alive to Christ. Work it out. Do the numbers. You are dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. That is the Christian experience. And to think anything to the contrary, can I say, is to believe Wormtongue, who wants to bring you down and make you a slave to sin over and over and over again. Don't do it. Come back to the cross. Recall maybe the first time you came to the foot of the cross, when you realised that in your sin you are wretched, that you're a dead duck. Who will save me? Well, now maybe our question must be, we have been saved. We're Christians. We have been saved. We don't have to ask that question anymore. But nonetheless, verse 25, we can still praise God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. We are delivered. We have been delivered and we continue to be delivered. So we rejoice also. We, it is true, hear this, we are incapable of living God's way. That's true. We are incapable of living the way he has made us to live. That is true, apart from his help. Apart from the help of the Spirit. And that is Romans chapter 7. We look in the mirror. Of God's law. Our life is illuminated by it, and so is the sinful nature. But it brings us back to the gospel. It brings us back to Christ, where we fall on our knees and we say, Thanks be to God. Those days are behind me. The days of wretchedness are in the past. The days of condemnation are in the past. So stop with the guilt. You've been set free from that in Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 8 then. We've got to get to chapter 8. Therefore, 
There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, there's something new, who gives life, has set us free from the law of sin and death. We're free from it, those in Christ. Do you see that? Do you see what is true of the Christian experience? Do you remember whose you are? Oh, you're still listening to worm tongues. Stop that. That is not the pattern. We need to listen to our Christ, to our Lord and Saviour. We need to listen to him through the reading of his word and let him teach us and let him lead us. That is who we are. The old relationship to sin is dead. You belong to another. His name is Jesus. So serve him. Serve him and love him. Bear fruit for him. Walk in this new way, the spirit-filled way, characterized by joy and thanksgiving, selflessness, sacrifice, purity, purity of heart, purity of mouth, his grace upon grace, his ever-abounding love. That's who we are. A life now of no condemnation. Don't let anyone tell you different. In Christ Jesus. Amen.